I open up the paper, and once again, much to my surprise, Justice Thomas is being attacked. When I say paper, by the way, I'm talking about an iPad with <laughs> papers on it. I don't know if I've even picked up a newspaper in a few years. Justice Thomas, once again, is being attacked, a treasure, a national treasure. One of the men on the court who's not only historically significant because of the position he holds and because of who he is, I encourage you to read his book, um, My Grandfather's Son. I believe that's the name of his book. I've given that book out to probably five or six people. I keep buying it. I don't even know if it's on my shelf anymore. I've given it out so many times, but it is a great book and it's a true American story. Dare I say American hero story. It could easily be made into an actual film. You should also see the documentary. Uh, But Justice Thomas is a national treasure, not only because of who he is and his intellect, uh, but he is also because of his character. Justice Sono Sonia, excuse me, Sotomayor, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, his colleague on the U.S. Supreme Court, who is the polar opposite of him in terms of legal philosophy and reasoning and, and, and political philosophy, by the way, has even said this herself. You don't have to believe me. Of course, you sit and say, well, Autry, you love Justice Thomas. Autry, of course, you look up to Justice Thomas. Believe a colleague who disagrees with him almost daily. Justice Thomas is the one justice in the building that literally knows every employee's name, that they, every one of them. And not only does he know their names, He remembers their families' names and histories. He's the first one who will go up to someone when you're walking with him and say, is your son okay? How's your daughter doing in college? A man of character. He's the first one that when my stepfather died, sent me flowers in Florida. This is Justice Sotomayor on Clarence Thomas. He is a man who cares deeply about the court as an institution about the people who work there, but about people. He has a different vision than I do about how to help people. This is, this is, this is, think about that. This is a person who said, this guy has a complete different vision, but it doesn't take away from the character of the man. And rather than acknowledge that, they want to tear him or his wife, Jenny Thomas, down to the ground. Why is his character so strong? Why is it that he's the one justice that the other justices, even that disagree with him, are willing to stand up in public and say, this is my friend who cares about me? You know who could tell you? Justice Thomas himself. You can be in the middle of a hurricane, or you can be on a calm day, north is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm, north is still north. People can yell at you, north is still north. Mm. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. Woo! I wish I could have that as a podcast title today. Right is still right. Even if you have to stand 
by yourself. We're not going to talk about Justice Thomas today, but it is a good lead into our topic. Welcome to Cross at the Capitol. It's the second episode, and I'm your host, Mr. Autry J. Pruitt. This show is the bridge between policy and prayer. In this moment, those of us in the faith are being called to adjust our mindsets to meet the unique challenges of this time. Our podcast title today is, How Should Those of Faith Approach the U.S. Supreme Court? And dare I say, the U.S. Supreme Court nomination process. Let's start in Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 18 and verse 20. You will know these people by what they do. Grapes don't come from the thorn bush, and figs don't come from thorny weeds. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree, hello, produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. In the same way, you will know these false prophets by what they do. Scotus plays a way outside role in the lives of those of us who are people of faith in this country. May I be so bold as to say that I know this because instead of individuals looking up to the pastors, and when I say individuals, let me be clear, the court or, or whomever looking up to the pastors or the church leaders saying, man, we, we need to be like them. We need to, we, we need to have, we, we need to be like the religious institution. Instead of doing that, right, it's the other way around. Pastors wish they had the influence, the power, and the ability to command activism as much as Supreme Court justice does. In fact, if you look at this, I think it's Pride Month, and go back to the clip in episode one yesterday that I played for you, uh, you can note that that was a Pride March. All over the country, because of the decisions that have been made at SCOTUS, and there are pride marches before, you saw a plethora of pride march, and now they've wrapped up Roe v. Wade into the, into the pride march, right? I don't think in my lifetime I have seen as much activism in totality caused by anything as much as a Supreme Court nomination fight or a Supreme Court decision or a Supreme Court justice. Right. I actually believe that all across <laughs> America, I don't think anything would get more news. I don't think anything can get more news except for maybe the coming of Christ. And even then that would be closed in our mainstream media today. There is an answer to the question, how should those of faith approach the Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS. But before we need to get there, we need to get our perspective right. We need to make sure that we keep our perspective uh, focused and narrowed in like a, a laser. All right? So the first thing for us to understand is that 
SCOTUS is a human-created entity interpreting human-made laws. I think those of us of faith, we understand that in principle, but when it comes to some of the fights, we forget that. That SCOTUS is human-created. It wasn't created by a higher power. It was created by man. And we forget that its function is the interpretation of other things, that being laws or rules or regulations, made by man. I know it is tempting for us to say, and I've even I, I, I even have seen it a little bit sometimes in the writing of justices myself, because as a nerd, I read Supreme Court decisions in the little spare time I have. By the way, one of the great decision writers, actually, he wasn't a Supreme Court justice, I don't think, learned hand. I don't think he was on the Supreme Court, but he's a great jurist. You go back and read his stuff. I'm not saying I always agree with him, but he's a great jurist. One of the mistakes we 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 make, and, and I've seen it, like I said, in the writing of uh, SCOTUS, is that we think that they are endued with this power into, quote-unquote, some kind of natural law, which for those of us, faith falls under the laws of God. But we have to remember, we've got to keep perspective that SCOTUS is a human-created entity interpreting human-created laws. And that anyone who is nominated to that body, anyone who sits on that body, by default approaches it from that perspective. Even my great friend here, Justice Clarence Thomas. He approaches it from the perspective that I am a human sitting on a human-created entity interpreting human-created laws. And that those, my interpretations are subject to the human-created law. Now, I I understand that um, conservative judges or judges from various faiths, Christianity, for example, or, or, or whatever the faith may be, nominated to any federal branch, may approach the law uh, in, in different aspects, in different ways, and may have a fundamental undergirding principles that's different. But you must understand that they always give deference to what men think. If <clears throat> during any of the nomination process you listen to one of my favorite questioners, Senator Ted Cruz, or any other Republicans, there's plenty of other, but Senator Ted Cruz is one of my favorite, you'll always find that their questions center around what man-made books, policies, theories that an individual may or may not agree with or subscribe to to establish their worldview. And that's because we're under some kind of 
ridiculous notion that there's a separation of church and state, which there should be in theory, but there's not in reality. Right. In other words, if you listen to how individuals talk about the court, how they interact with the court, it is always through what has made up your world of view. Is it Thomas Aquinas? Is it John Locke? Is it Karl Marx? Etc. Right. When when Ted Cruz was asking Justice Jackson, the the the, the current uh, African American female on the court, about CIT, CRT, he asked asked it from a perspective. He asked it from a perspective of the sixteen nineteen project was written by a human, right? It's sixteen nineteen, so we know that wasn't written even during the time uh, of Christ, right? And so we have to understand that the way, and this is what I mean by perspective, we people of faith have got to remember that it is widely accepted that man-made sources can influence the thinking of man-made law, but it's not acceptable to have the creator of man influence man-made law. Now, I'm not saying that to be pejorative. I'm saying the reality of where SCOTUS sits. And rightly or wrongly, we have accepted this as such, right? If you remember Amy uh, Conan Barrett, okay? And Lindsey Graham, by the way, said of her, this is Justice Barrett. So I believe Justin ja- Justice Jackson was the last nominated judge, and then before that was Amy Conan, and before that was Brett Kavanaugh. So you had Brett come, and then Amy Conan Barrett comes, right? She's nominated. And everybody on our side, I assume if you're listening to this, you lean to the right, but if not, I apologize. Everybody on our side was saying, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Right. She's historic because she was the first nominee in recent memory to be unashamed of her faith, which by the way, I agree. But she still was required to run from it. I want you to think about that. If you are nominated to SCOTUS, all of the justices that sit up there. They are not required to be ashamed of their faith. But they are required to run from their faith. Right? Now, I want to read you what Justice Barrett wrote, right? A few years ago. I want you to I'm gonna read you something that Justice Barrett wrote. I think she wrote it with the president, by the way, Garvey of a Catholic university. Let me read you what she wrote. The most important thing is that judges cannot, nor should they try to, align our legal system with the church's moral teaching whenever they two diverge. Let me read that one more time. The most important thing is that judges cannot, nor should they try to, align our legal system with the church's moral teaching whenever the two diverge. Although some might be attempted to cheat, as they put it, to take charge of sensing hearings and manipulate the law and evidence in order to save lives, that betrays the, betrays the public trust. Occasionally, the federal recusal statute can help judges to avoid interfering with the law 
while still conforming their own behavior to the church's standard. I, I want you to really think about what she wrote there. She said, and by the way, when I, when I say this perspective, it is not a criticism. I don't want this to come across as I'm saying, oh my God, these judges are fake. They're not real. They don't believe in their values. I want us to keep a perspective. I want us to keep a perspective on what it is that the Supreme Court is responsible for, who they are responsible for, who they answer to, and why they do what they do. And Justice Amy Coney Barrett said it here, that it's not the job to align the law with the moral teachings. It's not the job to even cheat and try to figure out how can you align the the, the law with the moral teachings. It's not the job to manipulate the evidence to align the law. And basically, the best thing to do is sometimes you can just recuse yourself and quit in case you have to conform, or I'm sorry, in case your behavior contradicts what your moral behavior says you should act like, right? Or a better way to put it, in case the Christ standard disagrees with the standard you have to implement. Amy Justice Barrett wrote that. Amy Conan Barrett, Justice Barrett, that's what she wrote. And so when we're looking at SCOTUS, When we're looking at the behavior of these jurists and their decisions, we have to understand that they make these decisions, even the conservative ones, make these decisions in light of what they believe man law said, not God law said. And the reason why we're continually disappointed is because we have somehow fooled ourselves into believing that the way they design and make law and, 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 and the way the law adheres, it's because it's following some kind of higher Christian principle. And with the late Justice uh, Scalia, I remember people talking about, well, he's Catholic, you know. Justice Thomas is Catholic, you know. So and so Southern Baptist. But you see here, their philosophy is that they have to keep a wall. Back in the day, they used to call it a Chinese wall. I don't know if that's improper or not. They used to keep a Chinese wall, politically correct or not. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anymore. They used to have to keep this wall up between them and their faith. This is why it's important what I read earlier, right? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. We're asking for too much from SCOTUS. Because the tree is a man-made tree. So it produces man-made results, which are sometimes in error. So we have to try to keep this perspective important. Isaiah 55, 9 and 10. May I read this? It's a little bit old school. Let me read this for a second. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is 
God speaking, right? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Man. The judges have already asked themselves, is it spiritually okay to set aside what you know to be the commandment of God in replace of what the written law says? Well, of course it is. They wouldn't be there otherwise. By the way, for those of us on our side who always talk about originalism, who always talk about, oh, I love original, stick to the original text. Well, sometimes the original text can be in contradiction to, guess what? The greater moral order. Sometimes it can be. Now, I'm not saying you may listen to this and go, Jesus, let me give up the, you know, let me give up the fight, right? Or it may be a, a judge saying, let me just walk the other way. I'm not saying give up the fight. I'm not saying walk the other way. I'm saying you need to manage your expectations when it comes to SCOTUS decisions, when it comes to, comes to SCOTUS nominations. You need to manage. And because sometimes we confuse policy and prayer, we confuse it. And when we confuse it, we get upset with our own jurist. You know? And, 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 and I encourage you to actually go and read. Don't read the popular decisions, read some of the minor decisions. Read some the minor decisions. You see, the law, justice under the law is based upon what the real written word says. What the word, I don't mean the word of God, I mean the letter of the law, what it says. I want you to think about this. Eminent domain. Eminent domain is the concept that for a certain good, the public could take something that you worked and learned and earned for, and they got to sort of compensate for you, but they could take you and force you to move someplace else, give you a little change for it, and take your property. Now, there's been some pushback against this, but for the longest time, both conservative Christian jurists and Satanist atheistic jurists have said, no, that's perfectly fine for this state to do that. Is it? Is it within God's moral order to take something that someone else has worked long and hard for, you just snatch it up and throw whatever you feel it's worth at them and say, sorry, too bad? I'd say it's not, right? We... We have to understand, we get, we get upset. I was upset at John Roberts during the Sibelius' the national health care decision. It made no sense to me. It seemed made up. I was upset a little bit at the Oberfell decision because I don't think it's, I actually don't think it increased with the Constitution, but I was upset about th- that decision. 
And then some of us get upset because uh, the former Justice Breyer or Justice Stevens have turned to, you know, they, they turn from conservative to liberal. Justice Roberts, in some cases, has gone a little bit more to liberal. And we get upset. But if we keep it in perspective that their decisions are based on man-made reasoning, then we can't get upset. Because man-made reasoning can change. Fundamental reasoning doesn't. I know it's a lot of verses today, but I want to read 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. And we have such trust, and this is an old school version, right? I, I switch between versions. I switch between versions depending upon what's just speaking to me more. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Hey, you've heard about the spirit of the law, right? The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The the justices currently sitting, and what we say we demand of the justices, by the way, on our side, is that the justices operate and toe the line in terms of what the letter of the law says regarding abortion, what the letter of the law says regarding the definition of marriage, what the letter of the law says regarding transgenderism. Those justices' reasoning is rooted in the spirit. I'm sorry, it's rooted in the letter, not the spirit. And for, for those of us of any type of faith to expect anything otherwise is foolish is foolish on our on our part. Rather we deal with marriage, rather we deal with transgender ideology. No matter what we deal with, we need to remember we are dealing with man-made people and man-made laws. And if the root is not correct, if the man is not correct, then what is there left? Oh, well, anyway. How do we approach? I, I gave you tons of perspective. Tons of perspective. How do you approach SCOTUS? When you're dealing with the justice, when you're dealing with hearings, when you're dealing with the nomination process, when you're dealing with the Supreme Court, how do you approach? And I know what I'm going to say is going to be real tough, and a lot of people aren't going to like it, but that's okay. The first thing is you need to iron out what are the fundamental tenets of what you believe. You need to have that written out somewhere before you. And I encourage you, by the way, when you know uh, to, to pull these tenants out, when you know about a nomination or a big SCOTUS fight is going to come up. And by the way, you should write them down now. You should actually take some time, take a piece of paper, and write down right now, these are what my personal or family's fundamental tenets are. Uh, go to um, the Church of God in Christ website. Go to... Uh, other uh, Pastor Geno Jennings, I believe is his name, um, First Church International, I think that's what his church is called, and look up what we believe statements. You can, you can go to Methodist churches, whatever church, float your boat. And just to give you a jump off point, just to give you a start, to write down what are the fundamental tenets you believe are. 
Okay, when does life begin? Are there men and women? How much of a duty do I have to help the person that's destitute? What you ask yourself those fundamental questions. And then once you've written down those answers and you go over those answers and you think about those answers and talk about those answers with people that you know, then you base your Supreme Court decisions or thoughts on that document. I guarantee you're going to be disappointed a lot. Let's take Roe v. Wade, for example. And this I know is controversial and nobody wants to talk about it because it's controversial. Everyone wants to hide that it's controversial. People don't go, oh, it makes me uncomfortable, but I don't know. But let's, let's, let's talk about this for just a moment. Think about this. If you believe that at that moment of conception, that is a life. At that moment of conception, real life exists. Right? And you believe that that deserves the full protection of the state. Then although you're, you, you may feel a little happy because of the Roe v. Wade decision. You feel like you got somewhere. You're not ultimately satisfied by it. Because now the entity that could have stopped the killing of life has said, well, it's not our decision anymore. It was like Pontius Pilate. I want you to think about that. The Supreme Court, when they made Roe v. Wade, was like Pontius Pilate. They just wiped their hands. Watch it. They said, bring me over the bin. Bring me over that bin. Let me dip my hands in this bin. You're right. <laughs> Let me dip my hand in this bin. And guess what? I, I-, I wash my hands of this and I turn it over to you states. And now you got to go by the states. If you think it's an innocent life, does it matter if it's six weeks or 12 weeks? This is why I said before you start talking about these issues of the Supreme Court, before you deal with the SCOTUS nomination process or anything to do out of the Supreme Court, you should write down what are your fundamental beliefs and be honest with them. And if having that discussion with somebody may make you seem crazy or make you seem sort of not social or it's uncouth, I'm not saying you have to have it. Maybe you just say, you know what, I don't talk about the Supreme Court. And you just move on. But my suspicion is that if we begin writing down our values, even the values that the conservative jurists in our states, even the bills that like Governor DeSantis signs in our state, even the things that President Trump supported, we will disagree with because they they misalign themselves to our values. And one of the reasons why we have trouble as a conservative group of people on the right side of the aisle is because we are afraid to be scorned, to be mocked. We don't want to be social pariahs. So we don't want to talk about what our real value system is. Right? We don't want to talk about that. The biggest thing that we can do when we approach the SCOTUS process, hearings, 
trials, nomination, whatever the case may be. When we approach the Supreme Court of the United States, the biggest thing that we can do is manage our expectations. Manage our expectations. That's the biggest thing that we can do when dealing with the Supreme <clears throat> Supreme Court nomination process. And, and, and dare I say, that's probably the only thing that we can do. So write down, do this today. Write down your fundamental core beliefs as a person. By the way, this will help you way beyond SCOTUS. It help you when choosing presidents, senators, etc. And wherever you cast your support, you've got to be honest with yourself. That where you're casting your support, they may not agree with you in totality. They don't agree with you in totality. One of the biggest things that upsets me with a President Trump is President, you know, Trump said, you know, let's grab him by the P word, right? President Trump has done some uncouth things. And you got some people, though, that just refuse to acknowledge it. That's because they haven't stuck to their principles. They haven't stuck to their core. All these people on the Supreme Court are human. In fact, you remember a few years ago, uh, Justice Thomas was accosted by TMZ. I'm going to play you the clip. Real quick. It's a short clip. Justice Thomas, Thomas was accosted by TMZ just a few years ago. He, he has a chance. He, I'm just I, a civil servant. I know he. Lance, 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 Edo, and Lance, Edo retired. He, he got to be laugh. looking for some some work a little bit. No, but you're a funny guy. What do you What do you do? You just sort of stand around and photobomb people. No, no, I'm calling with TMZ. I know you. I'm just giving you a hard. Okay, time. man. We love your work, though, man. You crack me up. Did you go to NYU? No, my sister did. Great school. Was you at law school there? Look at that. He even, I'm not going to play the rest of the clip. He, he asked, hey, you know, where'd you go to school? Oh, my sister went to NYU. Oh, my gosh. You know, even Justice Thomas, that, that's his human side coming through. And I love Justice Thomas. I don't agree with him. That's his human side coming through. You know? Sometimes it is important for those of us of faith to remember where our faith sits is not where our leaders sit. And more oftentimes, it's not. And the sooner we can believe that about ourselves, the better off we're going to be in general. My name is Autry Pruitt. This has been Cross at the Capitol. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you you may get your podcast. Always share this show with someone right now that you may feel may be interested. That's the best gift you can give me. Remember, wisdom is the main thing. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. <laughs>